the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. A sheep is an interesting animal. God compares us to them. And the interesting thing about a sheep is that they're created to need a shepherd. They are literally created for that need. Now the sheep doesn't see the need within him and seek to fill it with something that that might satisfy or guide or bring it along. The sheep's not that smart. The sheep looks around to the things without and follows whatever's in front of him. Now we talk a good bit about focus, because the truth of the Christian life, the walk of the Christian life, is largely about focus. You see, the way you know a sheep is lost is that it's not looking at the shepherd. If it's looking at the shepherd, then it's operating as it should. It is literally living the way it was intended to live. It's acting out the identity of a sheep, because a sheep was created for a shepherd. But a sheep that does not look at the shepherd is lost and is a danger to himself and those around him. Now you can appropriate that for your own life. Because many times I come to the Lord and I'm crying out to Him and I'm saying, Father, I need direction. Father, I need understanding. Father, I need a, a way. Father, show me what You want to do. And you know what? All He'll show me is Himself. All He'll reveal to me is His life. The thing that I keep running into in my spiritual walk is that Jesus is all I need. That Jesus is everything. That to be complete is to be completely dependent upon Him. And the anxiety, the fear, the anxiousness, and all of those things that I experience, I experience because I look away. I look, you know, I'm, I'm a fairly religious guy. I look for the things that He has put in place. I look for the things that are good. I look for my Bible. I look for uh, ministry opportunities. I look for this. I look for that. But do you know what? Jesus made it very clear that to look to those things apart from Him is worthless. It's a distraction. In fact, it's worse than worthless. It literally robs you of blessing 
the blessing of his presence. We're going to talk about what blessing actually is. Because, you know, I hear a lot, and the scripture we're going to go through really speaks to that. I hear a lot of people saying, I am blessed. How are you today? Blessed. Depending on your denomination or where you go to church, they may say, blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Well, that's all true, but what does that really mean? Well, we're going to talk about that today. But I want you to understand from the very beginning, if you're a child of God, everything you need to understand and know about the Christian life is wrapped up in this one simple, one simple answer. Jesus. It's not anything else. Well, Father, what am I going to do with my finances? Jesus. Father, what am I going to do about my health? Jesus. Father, what am I going to do about my kids? Jesus. Father, what am I going to do about my life? Jesus. And being the sheep that I am, I'm often wanting to look somewhere else. I've said this before many times. People come to me for counseling, and I tell them that there's only one answer. And if we can't agree upon it, then I'm wasting your time and you're wasting mine. And the answer is Jesus. Last week we left off at Romans chapter 4, verse 3. And today we're going to start at verse 4. And in that particular section, Paul is making the case that we are justified by faith, not by works. He's writing to what appears to be Jewish readers and is showing them through the testimony of the patriarchs, that being David and Abraham, that we are justified, made righteous through faith, that not even a Jew who follows all the rules does all the right things, can attain righteousness apart from faith. It can't be attained by virtue of their lineage, by virtue of their adherence to the law. It just can't be done. Now, understanding this is really the first baby step that needs to be taken to receive salvation. We have to come to that place where we recognize that it is the Father who bids us come to receive everything from Him by virtue of our faith in the finished work of Christ. We come with nothing. Every one of us that have received Him came to Him with nothing. And if you thought you traded something in, then we might need to talk about your salvation experience. The truth is that you came with nothing that was of worth, with nothing that was of value. You had zero potential. He wasn't looking at you and saying, Oh, I see in that person, this I could do this, I could do that. No. In fact, as we've said many times, he had to scrap the whole thing and start over. That's how good you were when you came. That's how good we all were. You came with nothing. Now here's the premise. Here's what you came with. Here's the deal that He made with you. I'll trade your nothing for my everything. You know, and that's a hard thing to hold on to because you know what? That's the truth of the Christian walk. Well, Lord, what about my finances? I'll tell you what, Todd, I'll trade your nothing for my everything. Well, Lord, what about my my family? What about my kids? What about my marriage? You know what, Todd? I'll trade your nothing for my everything. Paul says we're being saved. That's continuous. It's present tense, continuous, imperative. That just means that every day, in every way, in living and going forward, in every step, in every step, He is trading His everything for my nothing. That's the walk of faith. Well... The Jewish group that he's speaking to didn't believe that. 
They believed that somehow they merited righteousness. But the first baby step of recognizing what we need and what Christ has done for us is to recognize that everything comes from Him by virtue of the Son. We must commit this flesh to Him. We must commit all that we are to Him. You know why? Because He's going to kill it. (laughs) We commit it to death so that He can exchange it for life. A new resurrection life. You see, a life that is spiritual is accepted, loved by God, created by and for Him. We are resurrected into a new identity. Do you ever think about that? A new identity. You know, there's an old movie we love to watch. And most of you know we love old movies. So, how many of you have seen the movie Once Upon a Honeymoon? It's a movie with uh, Cary Grant and Ginger Rogers, different era. And in this movie, Ginger Rogers trades her passport with a Jewish maid in order to get her out of the country because the Nazis had invaded the country. And what she does is she trades her passport for the Jewish maid. And the Jewish maid, this lady gets out with her two children on the passport. She gets out and she escapes what would probably have been certain death and bondage and all kinds of things. But in doing that, she forgets to get rid of the passport that belonged to the Jewish lady and leaves it in her purse, and she gets mistaken for a Jew, and she ends up in a Nazi internment camp. Well, it's an interesting movie. Don't look for it in the theater. But in that movie is illustrated the truth of what Christ did for us. That He didn't just forgive us, but He literally gave us a new identity. And this identity has freed us. It has freed us from being captured. It has freed us from living in death. It has freed us from the oppression. We don't have to live under the oppression of the enemy. I like that movie because it often reminds me of the things that I've taken for granted. We are to live our life and have our being in Him. We are to own our identity in Christ because we are His offspring. He took the old identity away from us. He gave us a new identity. The old miserable sinful self that you were was killed. And we are dead to sin. And now we're justified, not just because He forgave us of our sins, but we are justified in who we are. You see, that's huge. That's huge. Because if my identity is just in a piece of paper, I can lose that. If my identity is just in what I do, I can mess that up. But He has literally given me an identity in who I am because I am in Christ. And it cannot be changed. I now possess a righteousness that has its source in who I am rather than in what I do. Rather than how I behave. Rather than where I attend church or what denomination I'm in. I possess a righteousness that is based in who I am. Acts 17.28 says, For in Him we live and move and have our being. Even as some of our own poets have said, For we are also His offspring. His righteousness, His blessing, 
All the character of Christ is ours to live out and to grow in. Does that seem like an extreme thing to say? Well, when you compare it to what you were, it does. But the reality of it is this is who God made you to be. This is the application that makes Christianity more than just a religious exercise. For me to just walk in the truth of my forgiveness, for me to just walk in the truth that God took my sins away, does nothing for my life as I live it right now. It doesn't give me any hope except heaven one day. Now many of you are sitting there and going, what what does that got to do with with what we're studying in chapter 4? What has that got to do with Paul explaining the truth of righteousness to the Jews? Because listen, I want you to understand that when Paul is talking about us having received a righteousness by faith, he's not talking about us receiving a piece of paper. He's not talking about us receiving guidelines. He's not talking about us receiving the Word of God in terms of the He's not talking about us receiving something external. He is talking about us literally being created righteous. Being remade. We received the righteousness of God by becoming a new creation. We didn't receive the righteousness of God because Jesus is going to come help us be righteous. I lived that lie for years. How frustrating. How frustrating. Lord, help me be righteous. Lord, help me be kind. Lord, help me be loving. But I'm going to point it out to you again and again that the reality of the Christian life is not Him helping you be anything, but you just being who He created you to be. That's the truth of it. And it's a life that is abundant, free, and it suits you. Let's look at verses 3 and 4. Romans chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed, trusted in God, and it was credited to his account as righteousness, right living and right standing with God. Now, to a laborer, his wages are not counted as a favor or a gift, but as an obligation, something owed to him. Now, here Paul sets a contrast between what is owed and what is freely given. And when Paul speaks of a laborer, understand that what he is talking about is someone who their labor is their identity. It's what they do. They are always working. They're continually working. They cannot stop working because they must earn their wages. You may say, well, that's me, brother. But it even goes even further than that. It is someone who has to labor 24 hours because they are, by virtue of their identity, a laborer. They can't stop. they got to keep going. Now, to this person, the wages are due. The wages are due because they've earned it. So, to get this context right, now suppose you worked continually for wages that would never buy you food. Or the necessities of life. But you believe that if only you could have worked harder and longer, you might earn enough to live. Suppose you believe that. You would be in bondage to a lie, wouldn't you? And you would be a slave to your need. You would literally work yourself to death in order to get what could not be earned by your labor, wouldn't you? This is what Paul is talking about. A laborer earns his wage... 
It's not a gift, but it's the product of his labor. Now, here's the truth of a laborer. A worker trusts in himself for his provision. Work is the activity of man, and generally, the activity of man draws attention to whom? Man. Now, true godly faith never makes man the focus. It is never man-centered. Now listen, this is a little guideline, a plumb line, if you will, to help you in your theology. If you believe anything in Christian theology that says it is dependent upon man in order for you to know God, you believe in heresy. Anything in Christianity from the point of salvation forward, is completely dependent upon God, never upon man. So if you hear a guy standing in the pulpit implying that it's something that you must do, you better watch out. If he's implying that if you don't do, you better watch out. I'm not saying all these guys are heretics, but I'm saying that when you listen to these things, know that the enemy loves to put it back to you. He wants to put it back to you. i got to tell you that I believed that your eternal salvation or your victory in the Christian life was dependent upon my preaching and my teaching, I'd quit. I would. I don't want that responsibility, thank you. I can't even do it for me. Why should I want to do it for you? The truth of the matter is that it's not dependent upon me. It's dependent upon God. You are His sheep. You are His sheep. And any theology that is man-centered is wrong. It is wrong. Now, I know a lot of Scriptures interpreted that way, but I'm going to tell you, it's misinterpreted. Now, the truth is that when we are laboring to try to keep ourselves alive, living in a almost slave relationship to our need, we're living in the condition that is pre-Christ. It's a condition that everybody's born into. Everybody's born into this need to work for themselves, to work for what they think they have to have for their life. They believe, in fact, that they should because it's natural flow that they have to work to be in right standing with God. Now, you would say, well, all the teaching that we've received on grace and truth in in this group and others, I'm convinced that apart from Him, I can do nothing. And I would say, bravo, I'm glad that you're convinced. But you might find that in your emotions, as you examine your day, and guilt and condemnation comes back to you, and then the game comes where the enemy whispers in your ears, if you'd only done this, if you'd only done that, if you'd only taken this road, if you'd only taken that road. When you begin to hear that voice, you're being led to self-righteousness. Now, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Self-righteousness will make itself evident in that. It will make itself evident in the way you confess your sin. If you're begging and pleading with God for forgiveness of sin, you're self-righteous. The reality of it is that you believe by your contrition that you will somehow be forgiven. I want to tell you something. You are forgiven if you're a Christian. It's a done deal. At the very least, you're operating in unbelief. The reality of it is 
that nothing is dependent upon man. It is all dependent upon God. And we do not earn our righteousness. We live in righteousness. Romans 4, 5. But to one who not working by the law trusts, believes fully in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited to him as righteousness, the standing acceptable to God. The law is excluded. The efforts of man are excluded. But only to the one who is not working. And notice it's not speaking of physical labor here, okay? It's not talking about only the one who doesn't have a job. He's talking about only the one who is not trying to earn from God, trying to extract from God, trying to to get God to go His way on something. Trying to earn God's favor. You see, that's that's the trap, because you'll never get there. Righteousness is never according to your works. But only to the one who is not working, only to the one who trusts, only to the one who believes fully. And I want to also point out to you that when he's talking about believing, he's talking about the way you live. And many times when we read Scripture, we see the word believe, and you say, oh yeah, I believe, and you walk away. But this believing that he's talking about is present tense continuous, which means he lives out what he believes. It's not just a matter of, oh, I believe in God. Remember, the the scripture says the demons do that. The reality of this, I believe, is this. Lord, I get up in the morning, I believe. I believe that I awakened this morning because you have purpose in my life. I believe, Lord, that you are my life. I believe that everything that I do today has a purpose and that purpose is in you. I believe, Father, that you hold my life, that you protect my life, that you provide for my life. I believe, Father, that you're going to be with me as I eat breakfast. I believe, Father, that I'm going to be in communion with you through this day. I believe. Now, that's an active belief. It's not just saying, oh, I believe in God. And let me tell you something else about this belief. It is not a passive belief. It's not just saying, yeah, I believe. It is a determined belief that says, I will determine to believe. I will determine to walk in what I believe. Now listen. Don't hear me say that if you don't believe and you don't walk in your belief that somehow you lose your salvation. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying in order for you to experience to the full what God has given you in this life, in order for you to literally enter in to what the Christian life is, it takes the determination of your heart to say, I believe. I didn't say that you get it that way. I'm saying that you you experience it that way. Do you understand that? It takes more than just a passive flow. You know what I was saying earlier about focus, okay? It comes right back down to that. If you're not careful, you're like any other sheep. You'll be watching some other sheep's coming and going, and you will lose. And listen, if you're not looking at him, you're lost. You're lost. If he's not the center, if he's not the focus, you're lost. Listen, there are a lot of changes going on in my life. I'm sure there are a lot of them that are going on in yours. You know, that doesn't ever seem to change. The older I get, I see it. I mean, it just never seems to change. And you know what it's all about? It's about walking with my eyes upon Him. Because the circumstances are always going to change. You know what else is always going to change? My feelings. 
It's always going to change. My perspective changes all the time. My judgments, my perceptions, all of those things are changing and they're changing within my soul. But the center of my spirit is constant and is before the throne and focused upon Him. And the truth of the Christian life is not bringing anything in. It is actually believing the truth of your spirit and appropriating it for your soul. That's what it is. It's not just believing. It's active, determined living in the truth. He says, for those who believe, who live their life in an ongoing lifestyle of faith, those who literally put their trust and hope in Him. Now, he's speaking, obviously, of a person who's born again, a new creation, who has his being in Christ. That's the truth of who he is. And as a result of who he is, he chooses to live it out. It doesn't mean his salvation is contingent on his behavior. It means his experience of his salvation is contingent on his faith, on his determination. The enemy's goal can be stated a hundred different ways, but I can tell you for the Christian, the enemy's goal is simply to move your focus from Christ to anything else. And when he moves your focus, you know what else he moves? He moves your perception of who you are. Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation, rest in His life moment by moment, and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If you would like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. And finally, this coming week, our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.